Welcome to I Am Goddess Collective Podcast, a sacred space for empowerment through modern magic, spiritual activism, and reclaiming your power. I am your host, Nixie Marie, feng shui practitioner, earth activist, and mystic here to support and inspire your journey in becoming the change you wish to see in this world. That change starts within. Join myself and fellow thought leaders, metaphysical experts, and luminaries each week as we explore practical and magical ways to living in your highest alignment. Your journey as an empowered goddess begins here. Let's dive in. Well, hello, sisters. Welcome back to I Am Goddess Collective Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Hope you're having a magical day and you're feeling high vibes. If not, happy you're here tuning in because we've got some high vibes dosed up for you and brewing in the bush in the cauldron of life today. We've got some inspirational words and messages from our guest today, which is Jennifer Barcelos and Sandy Connery. They're both actually the co-founders of Namastream Software. This software is a way for basically a tool for any yoga teacher, healer, awesome witch wanting to create content, courses, anything that you want to do online. Basically helping those who have a message to share and would like to create educational content it's a software for you to do that. And it's really great. I mean, they, these women alone, like when, once you hear their story, you're going to probably fall in love with them and check out their software. I highly recommend it. I myself have been looking into working with them in some way since I found out about them. So before we get into this inspirational episode with these soul sisters, I am going to pull a card from our lovely sponsorship deck the moon deck a lovely guidebook to bring you back to your intuition it is inspired by the cycles of the moon and based uh with the intention of female empowerment so it's kind of obvious as to why we became brand partners and they're supporting the show so perfect card for today i pulled the trust card i mean the trust card come on this, this whole episode that we talk about is really about trust, finances, and stepping into your worth as a woman and money and using money for uh, a change in social justice or even just as a change, like using money to change the game. So uh, with that, you know, comes a lot of trust, especially if you're an entrepreneur, goddesspreneur, stepping out into your own path and wanting to create your own lane you get to step into a very deep, intimate relationship with trust. So it's perfect that this card came up and the message on the card says, I trust the change unfolding in my life. I trust the change unfolding in my life. I trust the change unfolding in my life. Such a beautiful card and a beautiful reminder to trust in the change. And it's interesting too. synchronicity alert here. I posted on my personal grams, Nixie Marie underscore, if you guys aren't following me there. I don't post as much there, actually, but if you want just some more personal Nixie time, uh, that would be a good place to go. So the trust and the change card, the reason why it really resonates for me and what's coming up is I have done so much work in changing my money story, like so much work that it has been uncomfortable, um, Oftentimes, it's very shadowy. I don't want to look at the things that I avoid with money. Um, you know, you guys had, we had such a really amazing response from Janesha Alora, who talked about women who love the F word, financial freedom, money, all that stuff. And I love that we're continuing this conversation on the podcast because, again, like what Janesha said, we don't talk about money enough as women. So this card is perfect just being that symbol and reminder and synchronicity that um, I'm grateful for the change that I have made personally in my life to really step up into my true innate abundance. And I think that's why we have so much like weird energy around money is because we don't often realize that we're already abundant and uh, we don't need 
anything outside of us to prove that we are, you know? So the uh, external message of this card is really to be in constant motion of change and to not become complacent and to know that with this card, change is brewing. So loosen your grip, relax and trust the process and trust in the change unfolding in your life. So although your outcome or your future or wherever you're going might be on, you know, predictable, you don't know where you're going. You're like, where am I right now? I really actually felt, of course, I felt that way today. That's what the card, that's what the card is saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, even when we think we know where we're going, it's okay to know that we might end up somewhere else and to trust that there's a divine plan unfolding right now. So what a beautiful card. And, uh, you know, I guess the invitation really to do right now is to stick with your practice, um, make space to receive all the change that's coming in and be gentle with yourself, be kind to yourself, you know, check in with those limiting beliefs, which is another thing that we talk about on the podcast today about limiting beliefs around money. So, check in with yourself. Are you talking? I just had this whole idea or thought vision of, you know, my Trixie, uh, Trixie Nixie ego that I often talk about and how she likes to play tricks on me. And I don't appreciate sometimes the way she does that because she can be very tricky and Trixie and I don't uh, often catch it. But I think that this card is a really beautiful reminder for us to check in with those conversations and a squirrel is currently staring at me right now across my studio outside. He just straight up came and said hello. So squirrel medicine and squirrel. So back to uh, your limiting beliefs, you know, just notice the thoughts that are coming up for you right now. It is shadow season. We're still going through a lot of the internal work, a lot of the deep inner work and the time is now to get your mind in check. You guys, like the biggest reason why uh, I think a lot of the influential uh, leaders of our time, gurus, um, spiritual mentors, all those people, you know, everyone who came out with something like a big message, all came. it all came down to the power of our minds. And so that's what I believe, you know, money comes down to. It's what I believe our relationship comes down to. It's what I believe to be our entire reality comes down to this. So, you know, you guys have been, I know, doing a lot of work around this because you're listening to the show. And if you're new here, hi, welcome. We're so happy to have you join our coven here on I Am Goddess Collective. And, uh, you know, if you are new to this path and you're like, what is it? What, why am I, why was I called to this podcast today? Uh, you're called because you're waking the fuck up. That's the truth. Cause we're all doing that here. We're all really, uh, putting in the work and, you know, I think it's important now to trust that your work that you're doing is going to make a drastic change in your life. And sometimes those changes are uncomfortable. So We got to learn how to get comfortable in the uncomfortable moments and trust in the divine plan that's unfolding. So that's the lovely card reading of the day. If any of you would like to check out this card deck and check out some of the other amazing offerings the moon deck has, they're really a, a brand that symbolizes ritual. I mean, they've got ritual candles and beautiful journals and they're just amazing. So you can go to themoondeck.com slash goddess and get 10% off the entire shop. So check it out. And uh, without further ado, let's get into this episode. I'm very excited for you guys to meet the lovely founders of Namastream. So let's get into it, sisters. See you on the other side. Well, hello, goddesses. Welcome back to another podcast episode. We have a very cool podcast for you today. We've got two sisters on the show, so we're having a threesome today. Uh, (laughs) We've got Jennifer Barcelos and Sandy Canary on the show today. Hello, ladies. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, so a little bit about these beautiful sisters. Uh, Jennifer is actually a 
attorney, changemaker, and mother, and an entrepreneur. She is the co-founder of Namastream Software Platform and the Soulful MBA course and community, and the climate justice nonprofit Three Degrees Warmer. So she's really working every day to disrupt the wellness industry, making it easier for health and wellness practitioners to build and scale their businesses online. And Sandy is also the co-founder of Namastream Software, Soulful MBA, and Connectable. So biz software, lots of business entrepreneurial spirit we've got on the show. Um, After an amazing 20-year career in footwear and gait analysis. Wow, so interesting. I can't wait to ask you about this stuff. Sandy sold a traditional brick and mortar retail business and clinic. So she now brings in her business experience to the online space where she loves to create community, teach and inspire other healers to find the freedom and impact they desire. Well, hello. (laughs) Hello. Awesome, ladies. Okay, so wow, I have so many questions for both of you. Um, But one of the things that I would love to start with is just how you guys really found each other and are on this mission to co-create what you're doing with Namastream Software and Soulful MBA and actually what that is. Sure. Do you want me to go, Jenny? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Jenny and I met um, about five years ago because we both took a entrepreneurial program to teach us how to build software companies. So we each had individual careers, did not know each other, and decided that we were going to make a change. And we both wanted to operate a different way. We wanted to be at home for our children. We wanted to have a business that we had more flexibility and that we could scale and build something really amazing. So we took this course, did not meet during the course. Mm. And then at the end of the course, there was a live event. And at that live event, we met and just never separated since basically. (laughs) And just to put perspective on it, this course was, I think there's 600 people in it. And the goal was to build a software company within six months with paying clients. And Jenny and I both did that um, individually with, I did it with Connectable and she did it with Namastream. And so not many people did it. So there was like six people that did it and um, three of them were women and two of them were us. And so that's why we became friends. We bonded very quickly and very closely. And ultimately I became the other co-founder for her company, Namastream. Oh, awesome. It's lovely how that all works out when you end up finding your partner and your business partner and best friend and all that um, through just like synchronistic series of events. That's amazing. Yeah. And it really, I mean, we had a year and a half where we knew each other and we were helping each other after having met build our own companies independently, but we were spending a lot of time talking all day, every day while we were working. And then there came an opportunity to join a startup accelerator and I needed to have co-founders come in to the accelerator with me in order to be accepted. And so Sandy was the first person that I asked and ultimately really the only one that we kept around. So um, (laughs) it was like one of those make or break moments where it was like, Sandy, will you please join Namastream? And I think it's been this magical, but also hard, you know, experience that's been, um, you know, one of the greatest challenges of my life. And, And I've only been able to do it because of our partnership. Mm. So tell us a little bit about what Namastream is. Sure. So we're an online education platform. We're primarily focused in the wellness industry. So we help yoga teachers, fitness instructors, gyms, health coaches, spiritual teachers, anyone who has something to do with healing the world. We help them take their content and put it online, whether that's Mm. through a membership, an online course, um, group coaching, individual one-on-one consultations, anything that you can really do in person that doesn't require human touch, you can take online and then scale without a ceiling. Right. Okay. Awesome. I love the name Namastream. It's pretty fitting to what that is. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> How did you guys think of the name? Well, uh, I had spent a significant amount of time in um, South Asia with the work I had been doing. So I'd spent time in Nepal and in Northern India um, and Kashmir and um, Namaste is a common greeting in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. And it really, I've taken it to mean, I mean, people say it as hello, right? But I've taken it to mean sort of the, the divine in me meets the divine in you. And, um, So I actually also interpret that as the relationship between teacher and student and student and Mm -hmm. teacher. So when conceiving of an online education platform, um, it really also brings in that, um, 
sentiment. I feel like that we're, when we're in a, a space of learning and knowledge and connection that we're really deeply honoring one another. Mm, that's beautiful. So then from Namastream, you guys created Soulful MBA. Yeah, right. So Namastream is the tool and we quickly learned through our work that many of the teachers coming onto our platform didn't have a background in internet marketing or mm. growing an audience on online. And so we needed to, or we chose to help teach those concepts as well so that the folks that we um, knew how to message to bring out to the world could better, better serve the world and better reach more people um, by having those skills. Yeah. Well, I also have to just point out, I love that you corrected yourself with what you just said by <laughs> saying needed versus chosen to. I think that's always yeah. really important to bring that out as how, how we're always constantly, you know, growing and changing our language so that we can really grow and, you know, invite that type of um, up leveling into our lives. Language is so important. So I had to pl point that out. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. So before you guys did all that, though, I mean, you are both in somewhat of a, you know, healing wellness industry. So how did, what was each of your journeys and how you really found yourself to be having a passion around, you know, wellness, the environment, and ultimately just creating a platform for others to also shine? Sure. So I've always been um, in a clinical practice. So prior to my foray into software, I was a clinical practitioner. I did gait analysis. So we would see clients who had lower limb injuries and we would analyze their gait. And we, I also had a shoe store and a custom orthotic clinic. So for almost 20 years, I did that kind of work. And um, ultimately I just burned out of, I just could not do clinical work anymore. I still had a a passion for, you know, seeing myself as a healer or someone who could work clinically, you know, really cared about people, but I started to not care, you know, in those mm. dark years. And so I sold everything and wanted to build a different way of living, a different type of business, taken all that I've known um, from business prior, I wanted to build something that I could just work from home. And, um, so when I met Jenny and I saw what industry she was in, I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Like that is perfect for me because I had done yoga teacher training and I had always been in wellness and love wellness and think it's, you know, obviously it's incredibly important for the world. And yet I had built a software in a different industry and I wanted to be in the wellness industry. So that's when, that was partly why I think we were such a good fit. Mm. What was your spiritual journey like kind of getting there? Oh my goodness. I, I, that is such a great question. So it was a lot of um, recognizing when I was pleasing everyone else, you know, that typical female conundrum. Um, I was just, you know, worried about my patients. I was worried about my staff. I was worried about my other business partners. And I became very, very ill during those last years when I had the store and the clinic. And the spiritual part was like, it was just like screaming at me to recognize, Sandy, you need to make a change. You need to change the way you are working. You can no longer go down this path. And um, I kept resisting it and kept getting, you know, more sick and, and would end up in the hospital and come out and like I, it, the, the illnesses would come and go as I said, okay, I'm going to sell my business. And then I'd feel better and get better. And then I'd say, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I would become sick again. And it was just like a switch flipping, you know, well, right. and then ill. And so Man, it was just the universe screaming at me. So it was really interesting. In the moment that I decided to sell and told my partners, I haven't been sick since. So it was it was extremely eye-opening in that regard. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I always find that uh, those who are in the wellness field, they have a story that are like why they ended up there usually. And it's mostly related to just like having some sort of a wake up call, you know? And mm -hmm. so I think that's, I mean, your body is so powerful and clearly told you. So that's very, uh, very moving and inspiring. Thank you. What about you, Jennifer? Yeah. So I wasn't in the wellness industry at all. I was um, in the environmental world and the human rights world my entire life since childhood. Um, so I felt very much like the weight of the world was on my shoulders from a very young age. I was an activist and, um, I was extremely ambitious and focused in uh, my entire life. So I, I spent about 20 years in the climate change movement, mm. particularly 
focusing in the last five or seven years on climate justice. And I was spending time in some of the most devastating places in the world. Um, and I was experiencing personally a lot of secondary trauma from working in the communities where I was working. And um, I was in law school and then I was running a climate justice program and teaching at a law school and a university. And during my final year of law school, my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer and had about four months um, from the day we found out till she passed away. And I was still doing all of the climate work. Um, and I was devastated by watching what my mother was going through happen. And I really turned to yoga and it's something I had been an active yoga student, my like basically since I was a teenager, but I, I hadn't connected it with it the same way until my mom was sick mm. and, um, something shifted in me and it became a really important part of my life. And then I just went back to work though. And when I had my daughter, I, I became pregnant, um, in my career. I, my husband asked me to stop traveling internationally to places where I could only be reachable on a satellite phone and basically <laughs> said, you, you know, like you can't go to the most dangerous places in the world anymore. Like mm. you're having a, our baby. And it's which like is always usually I feel like the, the opposite uh, sex, yeah. like men are probably the ones that are mostly doing that. So that's yeah. Cool. So, I mean, we sort of had this agreement. And um, if I hadn't had my daughter, honestly, I don't think I would have ever stopped what I was doing. Yeah. But I had her. And instead of going back to work, I, um, I started this company and I really started it because I had spent a lot of my time fundraising. And that's what you do when you're in the role that I was in, mm -hmm. um, when you're a founder of a nonprofit or you're running a program at a university, you're raising money. And I got really disillusioned with that process as well, where I was often going to dinner or drinks or having long conversations on the phone with people who had worked for software companies, worked in technology and cashed out or sold stock, and then they had resources to donate. And I was like, you know, why don't I just make the money? And then I can actually control where it goes. Mm. It was just this very naive thought. And, but I was a new mom and, um, and that's what led me to software. I was like, how about I make my own damn money and decide where <laughs> it goes? Cause as any yes. nonprofit executive knows, mm. like often you kind of have to take the money you can get and do what the donor wants, even though you're the expert at what you do and you know, it's not necessarily the most efficient use of the funds. And so I had all of that swirling around in me. And I came to build a wellness company as a software tool um, because that was what I was drawn to. You know, my whole um, experience with losing my mom and my experience with this secondary trauma and actually not all of it was secondary given what I had been through and seen. Right. Um, I knew that if I was going to ever do anything else in my life, I needed to do it in a healing space and not in this space of apocalyptic negativity. Hmm. Interesting. It's, it's, it's beautiful that you had that like shift because I feel like I'm going through the opposite shift where I've been in the wellness space for a while and then now I'm shifting into more environmentalism. So it's just, it's interesting hearing like your story, you know, and you pointed out, uh, sort of the topic of what I really wanted to get into with both of you guys, which is money and how we, as women or anyone who identifies as women, I guess, you know, we really have these stories that are, playing over our subconscious mind, our limiting beliefs. And, you know, I think it's not often talked about enough about our relationship with money. So you guys both kind of have some, uh, from the work that I've seen you do, you know, talk about money, help women and guide them to something that is like a story that's more freeing and supportive. And, you know, if, especially you going after and creating a, a software where you can become your own investor to where your money is going to be going. And ultimately, I think that's really when we put the power back in our hands. So tell us about, you know, each of you guys, your perspective on what this money thing is and why women are, you know, especially not so familiar with what to do with it, how to manage it, like thinking that we're worthy of making it, all those things. I mean, there's so many limiting beliefs there, but, you know, how, to unpack all of that, what were some of the things and experiences that you guys went through to, to work with those limiting beliefs? Yeah, I just would like to start with acknowledging the era that we're in, and this time is so exciting. And really, it's the first time in history that women are allowed and can make money. Mm. And so looking backwards, we were always 
the property of somebody else or we were never allowed to work and, you know, we weren't allowed to, you know, even inherit money for the longest of times. So I think this whole idea of like us earning our own income or earning a lot of money or even saying it out loud, like I want to make a $5 million company or a million dollar company or a six figure, you know, six figure company. Like we don't have enough of those stories. And so we just need to acknowledge that this is new territory for all of us because typically our grandparents and our mothers didn't really have money. And so we're the really the first generation where this is true. And it's a lot to navigate. Where men with money, they've been told from their little boys that this is, you know, they're they're good with money. They can handle it. They will earn it. It will come. And so the cultural, you know, messaging for us has been very different. And so I think Jenny and I are both on a mission to kind of change that and acknowledge like we can absolutely do this. Um, it's new and it's scary and exciting, but it's possible. And it's the first time that it's possible for women to, to have their own money. Yeah, that's definitely a very solid point to address to start that off. And, uh, and I think it will really support those who are going through, you know, the comparison conversation as to maybe why somebody else in their life or another woman might be making more than they are, you know, and I think that that can come back to just realizing, you know, we're all kind of starting from scratch here. And the biggest power is supporting each other going through these and navigating through the changes. Mm-hmm. I want to say too, that having been in the legal field and having gone, I got a full scholarship to law school, one of five people in my class, um, having been in a law school, uh, like an elite law school where, and and graduate school and undergraduate school program where the majority of my classmates were women. But then to see as people rise in their careers, the women fall back and stay back um, in a profession or series of professions um, that are ambitious and um, lucrative. Mm. It really hit home to me that entrepreneurship is this path towards liberation away from the status quo. And there's, I mean, you can read all the Sheryl Sandberg you want, but the truth is, is that there are forces at play, real forces culturally that prevent women and people of color and historically marginalized populations from having the same results as the dominant kind of white male Mm. in our culture. And that's the reality. And I, I just time after time, I see women under earning um, and women who, because of, because they choose to have children, um, being held back by and large. And I just don't buy any of that. And entrepreneurship is a way out of that. It's a way to just define your life on your own terms in a way that, that no other industry, you know, I've ever seen anything else function like this. And, and I think that this is also not just true in software or in tech or in like big venture funded industries. It's also true at the grassroots level. When I was uh, in graduate school, I was working with the UN Environment Program in Nairobi, in Kenya, and I had the privilege of spending some time with Wangari Mathai, who ended up winning the Nobel Peace Prize Mm. for the work she was doing with the Greenbelt Movement in Africa, helping women um, achieve freedom and uh, prosperity and opportunity through the planting of trees and sort of taking over the economic system and their communities by planting trees. And it's just, there are so many opportunities for this in our, in our culture. And I really believe it's, it's time for women to grab onto this and take ownership of their financial security because it controls so many other things. It controls the health and well-being of their families. It mm. controls um, the next five generations to come after them. And we are, living proof that this is the time and era to start really taking action because there's never, as Sandy said, there's never been these kinds of opportunities. Um, we just have the world at our fingertips. It's technology is so cheap and easy. Access to capital is easy. Like everything is there in front of you. Yeah. And, and, so often, like what we've been taught are to be princesses, right? Like you'll marry and somebody's going to take care of you. You know, you don't take care of yourself. Like you take care of your children, but someone's going to provide for you. And so we really need as women to have these conversations to say, that's not necessarily true. Um, and nor should it be. I mean, if you want that, that's fine, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing wrong. Like, I think we're always kind of waiting to be saved. Like, Mm-hmm. So I'll inherit or I'll, I'll have a husband who makes a lot. Of, mm-hmm. No, why not you make a lot of money? 
and we just don't have the examples in our society. And so I think this conversation is so important to just like, what are you waiting for? Are you going to like, just do it yourself. And this time is just so exciting, as we've said. And I think particularly in wellness and in healers, people have these limiting beliefs about how much money, um, you know, a Pilates instructor or a nutritionist or a coach can make, right? And I think there's lots of examples now that that's not true and that really the sky is the limit as far as your earning potential goes. Mm -hmm. And that's why the work we do with Namastream and our teachers are is so important to us because this is a place that we can really influence change for women in their lives and their families. Mm. Yeah, you guys both addressed a couple points there. And I think one of one of the things with with women just being able to go after and ask for the capital and ask for the, you know, the business that they want to start and and really take that action. Just going backwards a little bit on some of the struggles I think that women face on just making that first step, like asking for the big loan or asking for the capital uh, and working through some of those limiting beliefs or uh, ultimately blocks that they can't, you know, hop that fence to get over there. They feel like there's something in the way, you know, what, what guidance do you have on anyone who's kind of experiencing that right now, or just to ask and, you know, work through some of that stuff. Cause I think that's really anyway. where we get stuck. <laughs> feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I had to take my daughter who was gosh, what was she three at the Four. time when we were pitching mm-hmm. to investors and like school would be closed because of a snow day. And I would take her with me to go pitch to investors. Like I've been in front of boardrooms of men, 12 men, half of them asleep with their mouth open around a table of money that they control, getting to decide the future of our company. Like you do it anyway. It feels awful sometimes. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Every time it gets easier and easier and easier. And ultimately just to, for the record, for your listeners, Sandy and I walked away from a fundraising round and it ended up self-funding and bootstrapping our company to where it is today. Um, which we're incredibly proud of in part mm, because we didn't want to have to have our future um, be reliant on anyone else's decision about the viability of our company. But for some people, if you're a hard, if you're trying to build hardware, if you're trying to build a physical thing, you either need to do crowdfunding like Kickstarter or you need to raise capital and mm. then go do it. I mean, there's honestly like just be willing to take the 99 no's in order to get the one yes. And every single time it just gets easier and easier and easier. And also it's always, it always feels terrible. Like it's a hard thing to do. It's not all happiness when you go and build a business and try to create wealth for yourself. There are hard things. There are awful things. There are ugly things. And so you can sit at home and and want something and desire something and feel guilty and procrastinate. And that feels awful. Or you can go and take the action that you need, whether that's just putting it on your credit card or going to your bank and getting a line of credit or asking family or friends for money or, you know, actually pitching VC investors, that feels awful too. But which awful do you want? Like choose the awful that's going to get you the business and the wealth that you dream of. Mm. So I think the message is just do it and embrace the awful. Like, well, and then it, and then you you get somewhere your relationship with it. to the awful. Yeah, too, it Sandy, gets better right? and better. So now, like we went through what I would describe as a traumatic experience, mm-hmm. pitching to 60 some odd male investors. Um, I, I mean, I, we, anyone who's done this has the stories to tell, like any woman who's done this has the stories to tell about this. And in the moment, it was really hard. Every day when I would leave my little girl to go do that work, that was hard um, in many different ways. But now I have a different relationship to it. I'm actually so glad, Sandy, that we did that mm-hmm. because I have this experience now that I can help other women navigate through that fundraising space when we're coaching or mentoring them. We have... Um, We've learned a lot of lessons from that. I have a shared experience that in the female founder community, it's it's a really powerful, tight-knit group of women that we get to play a role in there and, and, and help one another. And I think there's just something about um, participating, right? And, you know, I also chewed some people out, right? Like there are people who spoke to us in ways that were not acceptable. Like mm. culturally, like <laughs> when you're pitching somebody for money, they, they act they can act in a way that like in other circumstances, no one would ever talk to you. And, um, you know, we had our own share of kind of chewing people out. And I hope that those um, select few <laughs> learn something from 
that on it, I wouldn't say it, not chewing them out, but the very <laughs> honest feedback, right? Like, oh, you don't speak. I like to, to say it's like a loving interruption. We don't in our society. We don't speak to people like this. And yeah. here's why. Like, let's turn this into a learning moment. So, you know, it doesn't have to be just awful and sitting in the misery of it. It can be something that's difficult and challenging, but you do it anyway and you make a situation better. You educate because of it. You find some golden nugget of wisdom or some special shift that you're able to make. And then you choose to to do that with your experience. Mm. Yeah. Well, just do it, ladies. Well, now seems like the perfect opportunity to share with you goddesses, our newest sponsor, the Moon Deck. The Moon Deck is a beautiful oracle set that connects you to your intuition and brings self-care rituals into your daily life. Created to foster community and healing, this entire set of 44 cards plus a beautiful guidebook filled with rituals is inspired by the cycles of the moon and the empowerment of women. It shares insights on growth, purpose, practice, and emotional well-being. The Moon Deck can be worked with as an oracle guide, as a daily tool for reflection and meditation, or simply in a tarot-inspired spread. As a goddess listener, you receive 10% off the entire site, so head on over to themoondeck.com forward slash goddess and enter code goddessmoon to receive your discount. Happy rituals and oracle card pulling, sisters. I love you. What are some of the like mindset, uh, money mindsets that you guys put yourself in when you are talking about money or you're, you, like you said, you know, going through those big pitches, um, with investors or just even simply making a financial decision for your business or for your, your community, for your life? Like what are some things that you see come up in your thought process and in your mindset? Mm Mm-hmm. For me, we've been talking, Jenny and I have been talking a lot about this lately because we've been setting some very big revenue goals for ourselves and for our company. And I think it it just comes down to like, a, you know, witnessing the, 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 the talk, the chatter that's in your mind and recognizing like, okay, where did that come from? Where did I learn that? You know, sort of acknowledging what you were taught in your childhood by your parents, how did they handle money? And then replacing it with these thoughts that you can really emotionally connect with. It's not enough to say like, I'm going to make a million dollars and not really believe it. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, you sort of have to have some bridge thoughts into in, you know, before you can have that perhaps. But it's like that we are worthy is a big one that we are worth the money that we're asking for and that we want people to pay us for the, the, the revenue goals we have, we are worthy of that and truly, truly believing it. And sometimes it is a bit of a comparison. Like we'll go look at other companies and like, mm-hmm. how are they making that money? Like we are so much better than that. And not to, it is to compare, like it makes us feel better. Like, Oh, you know what? We can totally do this. And so we have the advantage of having each other when it comes to money and revenue and sales goals. And we can, you know, talk about this. And when the other one's down and kind of doubting the other one can kind of lift, lift the spirits, but it's really the belief patterns that are in your mind that, that it's so fascinating once this is pointed out because we we did a women in money series on our podcast and we had so many people go, oh my God, I had no idea that I was even thinking that thought. And that thought is what's going to stop you from getting the result that you want. And so just sort of um, observing the mind and the, the thinking behind it, like I could never have that. I will never drive that kind of car or people like me don't have that kind of money or that kind of house, you know? So there's, there's this observing of your mind and what your own story is and to identify that and start to change it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this thought just came up too with uh, kind of your work um, with environmentalism and, and climate. And I think there's a story that I see and I'm seeing that often goes with that with money. And it's like, you know, one can't be wealthy if they're um, or have material things if they're protectors of the environment or, you know, an activist in some way. And I, I think that that story is clearly false. But how, what is your relationship and how does your dynamic with all that work that you do really like weave into your money and, um, empowerment within that? Yeah, I will say that, um, money is probably the greatest proxy for power that we have in our society. And so more money is more power. 
And I want to be an agent of social change. I feel like I was born into that role, whether I want it or not. I mean, I, I choose to want it because it's been my experience since I was a young child. And I learned um, probably when I was 16, I think it was 16, 17 years old. And I was taken aside. I had dropped out of high school and I was like straight A, perfect leadership, ran every club, like swam, like, you know, like just this all American sort of like super ambitious kid took the SATs when I was 11. I mean, that's Mm. the life I was living, but I was so committed to my activism. I left high school Mm. and I chose, I took a test. So I didn't technically drop out. If anyone wants to fact check it, I took proficiency (laughs) examination and then never went back to school when I was 16. And, um, but I was like, I don't even need to go to college. Like I'm going to go be an activist. And I had mobilized people, you know, like participated in major rallies. I was doing very, um, what I felt to be very intense civil disobedience up in Northern California at the time in the headwaters forest and working to stop old growth logging. Like I was doing climate activism. I was very, very intentional about my life. And I was, then I went and I spent some time on the Navajo reservation. Um, and an attorney there actually, who was representing the Navajo people in a huge land dispute that had to do with mining came to me because I was there and I was an activist and I was being a kid, you know, a teenage activist, typical behavior, just grassroots all the way. Someone came and sat with me who was a, who was an attorney in DC that, like I said, was representing the Navajo people and said, look, I get where you're coming from and I believe in what you're doing, but you have the ability to be more powerful than what you're setting yourself up for. Mm -hmm. And I see that in you. And you should look at what I'm doing. And I had always thought I would be an attorney young, when I was younger. Um, and, and this person said to me, you can have so much more influence if you come and do what I'm doing. Like be inside the room, be inside the halls of power. And rather mm. than screaming and banging on the door on the outside, right? So I was like, mm. oh, okay, <laughs> what's the best university I can get into and afford? And so I put myself into UC Berkeley after like six rejection letters because I dropped out of high school. I convinced them to let me in. And then I graduated at the top of my class. And then I wow. went to Yale. And then I like from there and there, and then I got a scholarship to law school. It was like, okay, I took this one person's advice. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be the wolf in like the sheep costume the rest of my life. And I'll wear the monkey suit. You know, like I'll wear, mm-hmm. I'll wear a business suit and be me and I'll be inside those rooms. And I did. I followed the damn I followed it for a decade. Yeah. And, um, and I really, in that process, it wasn't being an attorney. I realized it was going to give me the power to create the social change I wanted. It was having the money because all of my work as, as, as a nonprofit or an academic, a nonprofit leader or an academic, um, or an activist attorney, all of it was directed by money. So mm-hmm. for me, money and technology came to be equated to power. And that's where I am now. And so I'm still participating. I still am incredibly involved in my community. Mm -hmm. I'm still practicing law to some degree. And yet I really see though that the angle here for me, the real, the sphere of influence is is around the money. And I want as many people to understand that as possible because activism is incredibly important. But um, what I've seen is it's not nearly as effective if you don't have the resources to back it up. Wow. That is some powerful stuff right there. I love that you pulled out. It's like being in the seat of the power, you know, being in the room, putting on the the suit and embodying this, this part of you to sort of be able to put your feet in, like right in the midst of it all. Uh, super powerful, incredible stuff. Like congratulations on all that. I mean, I think it's really um, inspiring to hear the evolution of your journey and to where you are now. So with that being said, you know, with your money and with wealth, where do you, where do you intend to, like, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years, let's just say, and where you are going to be putting your money? Jenny? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't <laughs> have big all question. that figured out. I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> grow that are, right now, yeah. right? So so I'm intensely, the business model that we've taken on is, um, it's 
a lot of work, right? It's a lot of effort to grow a software company, especially not having the background of coming from that space. Right. And, and so um, we're trying to do something that's near impossible and we're doing it. It's kind of amazing, yeah. but it's not, it's not necessarily easy every day. Um, and Sandy and I both are holistic human beings and we have other things that we do in our lives. So mm-hmm. it's that yeah. for me, the grow the focus at least with respect to Namastream and Soulful MBA is growing the company. Mm-hmm. Personally, with respect to money, I mean, the best thing I can do is, in my mind, is to take my expertise and my strategic mind and give it to causes, um, donate it or, you know, come in as a consultant or a high-level strategist and offer that expertise and guidance. Um, and so in terms of my body of work, that's where I see myself most effective. Mm-hmm. And I and and the places where I've done that, t- just to be clear, the technology education that, that I've gained and that I know Sandy's gained in the last five years is also invaluable to that social change work. Um, I've been asked numerous times by different nonprofits and and political organizations to offer my advice about how to scale messaging or scale um, an online education component or something around activism. Mm-hmm. And so like actually merging all of these things together is really cool and, yeah. and kind of unexpected. But like I said, money is a currency of power, but so is technology because technology allows you to reach so many people and connect with people um, in a really effective way. So yeah, I just see like, um, a very holistic view of my own expertise and resources and life experiences. And how can I package that and offer that in a way that amplifies the beliefs I have in the world and and moves them forward. Hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting to just understand like your perspective. I think a lot of people that, um, often talk about money, it, it seems a little like out, like out of reach, Sometimes when it's it's either an extremism conversation or it's and it's not grounded in something that can be practical, but also like the sky is the limit and just being in integrity with and honoring that. And I think that that's um, really important, especially as an entrepreneur. It is a up and down journey. So nothing is ever uh, smooth sailing. And so you know, with that, you guys both being such amazing and powerful entrepreneurs and what you guys are doing, um, what are some of the like challenges you guys face financially within your businesses? Well, I think it's, you know, similar to what everyone experiences is just the like, where are the new people coming from? Like continuing the growth. And we are intentionally growing extremely slow for us, especially for a tech company. But I mean, there's, there's a constant marketing problem, right? Like you always need to be aware of what's changing and what's new and yeah. what's hot and what, you know, are you doing it right? Are you missing opportunities? Um, it's the challenge is us putting our faces in front of the company and, and doing the marketing on marketing on social and getting comfortable with that. Um, and it's just this sort of constant vigilance, like, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Because we always need new leads coming into our company to continue to grow. So how do we find those? How do we market with intention and with authenticity mm-hmm. and do it in a way that's comfortable and, you know, not sort of this masculine kind of marketing style? So we're always struggling with that. Yeah. How do you guys handle some of the decision making in your business? <laughs> We have our own (laughs) weird, (laughs) secret, witchy way of dealing with things. I mean, there's no system. It's the two of us are sort of equally in power for a lot of things. And we just, we chat and then we make decisions. And sometimes we deliberate for a really long time. And sometimes we instantly, intuitively make decisions. So there's no, there's no, like I, people have these like, oh, this is my three-step process. Like we don't operate a company like that, partly because, we don't want to, right? Like we just enjoy kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but it's also like very intuitively driven. Yeah. And I, I would also say, I just want to like come back to Sandy's point about like, we're growing very slowly. Like we grow hundreds of percentage points a year rather than like 10,000, yeah. like a venture back startup would. For a tech company. And so yeah. we intentionally yeah. are growing in a way that we don't have to inflate the size of our team before we can pay for those roles. We're very deliberate about hiring. We're very deliberate about spending any excessive amount of money on anything. Um, and we focus 
intensely on a very um, intimate and connected customer experience and customer journey. And so like, we're not using bots to replace people and we're, you know, it's a human, we're trying to bring this human and humane element to technology, which is defining the way we go and, and sort of the structure of our company. But I would also say that like the other biggest challenge we have is around hiring and finding people that are a good fit for the kind of company we're building. Um, we're trying to build something that doesn't really exist. Like there's no model for this kind of software company. There are lots of online businesses, but software is a little different. And so we're, um, you know, that's a challenge to find the right people when we do. It's like the best feeling in the world when we bring somebody on to our, into our company that is a good fit. It's like this magical key was found for this lock that we didn't know exist. You know, it's like yeah. this amazing spiritual experience, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's hard to hire for because it's, it's unusual. Yeah. Well, I really believe that like intuition led business is this new way that we are changing the world too, you know, where things are not built in this patriarchal structure where it has to be done during certain hours of the day. I mean, you know, as a woman business owner, I think it's very impactful to see all these new things that we're able to create because we are these creators and we are able to tap into this, you know, not that men are not by any means, but it's just the way our system has been designed for so long. And I think that, and I know that it is really up to, I think, small business to change the way that we're, we see our future. And for me, that's how entrepreneurship kind of fell into my lap because I knew that this would be just like you said earlier, you know, it's, it's something where I could create more in my life versus being in that restricted structure of, you know, income or what I could provide for my life. And so I believe that there is so much power in small business and entrepreneurship and growing small and sustainable and not, you know, trying to be like everyone else that's growing really fast. So, you know, just acknowledge yourselves for for doing that and knowing that it's okay to grow small or big or whatever, like you guys put the labels on it. And I think that's really important for other healers and uh, women who are starting their business, like some of our listeners here, you know, that are in this sort of startup phase and they're, you know, like kicking and turning it that uncomfortable, slow, steady, you know, patience that you have to have. So, um, for those that maybe, you know, like are getting started, what are some things and guidance that you would share with them right now? Oh yeah. So the biggest one is that if you're building something that you want someone to pay you for, you should talk to them first, right? So this is one of the primary lessons that we teach is how to crowdsource the thing that you're building for your business um, because we have enough people kind of I mean, if you're an artist, it's a different story, although I think that we could debate that. But like we have enough people, especially in our industry, who go into a basement and close the door and have this idea of what the world needs and make it. And then they open the door and like one out of a million hits it out of the park and the rest of it, it's crickets, right? Like Because if you're not really involved in the outside world, if you're not getting feedback and building something that people are asking you to make, then like there's a pretty good chance it's not really going to take off. And so we teach our clients to actively go out and crowdsource. And we have a process for this, like actually build something so you know you're going to be able to sell it. You're going to be able to build a business out of it. And you also get a sense of like, do I even want to make this thing? If this is what people are asking me for, is this the thing I want to make? And if it isn't, then maybe you need to go back to the drawing board and, and, have a conversation with yourself, like, Mm -hmm. because there's lots of maybe other markets or other niches or, you know, other areas where you could build something that is aligned with both your own vision and what your audience wants. Mm. Yeah. And I would, I would say two, two points. One is to constantly question what you're witnessing around you. Um, So as you grow your business, you know, is this the way to do it? If someone says, you know, this is how I did it. It's like this constant curiosity and studying and questioning of what is happening so that you make the right decisions for yourself and your business. And two is to embrace the long game. No one's going to get rich quickly here. And I think if we just say that and know it and be in it for many, many years before you give up. And I think we've seen, um, uh, just recently we've had conversations with so many people who are doing really, really well. Um, and they've, it's not a three month business. It's, a, it's like you know, six years three in, to right? five years at least. Yeah. So just don't think you're, you know, after a year, if you're not where you wanted to be, that's okay, but keep going. Um, and this is a long game. This is a lifestyle. This is um, a lifetime of learning. 
Well, yeah. And I'll just say along that, just to give people some data, it took three years to get to where I thought we would be after year one, but now at year five, we're way farther than I ever thought we would get. Mm. So it's just that idea that the, like, it's like compound interest that you, you can just, if you just stay with it, if you're devoted to what you're doing, if you feel aligned with what you're building and you're seeing a positive reception from your audience in the form of, you know, financial rewards, financial security, people are buying what you're selling, your audience is growing, then just if do everything you can to stay with it, because it's so, it, it, there are so few people that stay with it past that point of discomfort to actually reap the rewards of what they've created. And so we just want everyone who who really wants this vision and wants to own this to actually receive the rewards from it. It's really amazing and powerful when you get there. Well, we often see too the the get rich quick schemes all the time, I think, on <laughs> online now. So it's important to really, really come back to the ground and know that it's not that doesn't exist. It's not real. You know, I think there are people who strike this cord with luck or something. I don't even know what to call it that might have that type of thing. But, you know, you have to be careful what you wish for in that too, because it's not always something that they can vibrationally hold on to. And so (laughs) you have to be, you've got to do a lot of inner work to be able to call in that amount as well. So um, what are some of your guys's like rituals that you perform every day to to keep yourself in an elevated vibrational state um, to cater onto this business that you guys are creating? I think it's the the constant mindset work that we need to do um, with ourselves and with each other. I think lately that's been really the focus is just um, an awareness of how our thinking can drag us down. And so to stay at this vibrational place where we are happy and enjoying and having fun with this business and making the money that we um, we want, it is like it is work to stay there. And I think we can never lose the idea that like this needs to be fun and joyful for us. And so there's this sort of play all the time. Like I'm listening to Jenny and she's listening to me and be like, Hey, stop, wait a second. Do you hear what you just said? Mm -hmm. And so it's this, this mindset it's, it's, it's sorting out our mindset, but it's also making sure that we're having fun. Cause I don't want to do this if it's not fun. It's so fun though. It's so fun. And I would also say, um, I chose, almost three years ago to move my family to a pretty remote island in the Pacific Northwest. Um, And my connection and relationship to the natural world around me is incredibly important to me holding that frequency. Mm. And so I couldn't do it in a city anymore. I just didn't have the self-discipline to seek that out in a way I needed to. And I physically have to live in a place where it's immersing my senses. Like I don't have a choice. Like I, I can't like look in any direction without seeing, you know, an evergreen forest and animals and birds and eagles and like what I have. And I, I need that yeah. personally. And I know that, and that makes our company stronger because I'm a better leader and visionary because I'm in that space. Mm. So know thyself. That is the key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, beautiful. Uh, it's been such an interesting conversation with you guys uh, diving into your work and s- how much, there's so many layers to it and how unique it is. And, um, you know, for those that are out there and really curious to kind of explore a little bit more about what you guys are doing and what the software can maybe support them with other healers or, um, light workers who are here to change the world, where can everybody find you? Sure. So our software is at namastream.com, N-A-M-A stream.com. And then we have a free five-day course that we lead people through who are considering teaching online that kind of answers all the basic questions about what's involved and what kind of equipment and what kind of structure. And it's at soulful.mba slash teacher. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, well, last few questions I have until we say our final farewells. Um, what would you, each of you, say to a sister lady who is um, ready to take the next step in her business? I would just say do it. Just believe in yourself and do it. It is the most amazing journey that you can ever begin. Yeah, I would say it invest in the experience because it's also the greatest 
tool for self-actualization. So mm-hmm. it's financial liberation is important, but so is self-actualization. And I've never had an, ex- an experience that challenges me like this one does in a way that I can win, right? Like I was, yeah. I was taking on climate change and that challenged me in a different way, but it was hard for me to accomplish anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like other than just education or um, belief in myself as as an, a leader in that field, but this is something where you put in effort and you actually see the effect of that effort and what it can produce for you and the people you're serving. It's so rewarding. It's just amazing. And the challenges there's no challenge that you can you can't overcome in a business. And so just take that on. What a great journey mm-hmm. to embark upon. Yeah. It is quite a spiritual journey, this entrepreneurial path, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I love to ask this question to all the guests that come on to wrap up the show. Uh, So we'll start with you, Sandy, first. Uh, How do you invoke your inner goddess? I know exactly how I do it. Jenny knows (laughs) what I'm going to say, too. Jenny's like, oh, God, Sandy. So I have this new skincare routine every evening and it makes me so happy. And it's like, it's like the, the most beautiful form of self-love and self-care that I can do regularly. And it just makes me so happy. So skincare, like extreme skin, skincare every night is my, how I do my, find my inner goddess, (laughs) Jenny, (laughs) she's shaking her head. We're so different. Although I totally love learning about that from you, Sandy. So I will say I am, as Sandy has taught me, I'm very much a green witch and Mm. I love distilling plants and herbs. And I love going and foraging in the woods. And we just distilled a bunch of sage, organic sage that um, a local farm here in the Northwest grew for us. My family has a little side business making our own essential oils. I'm like a potion maker. And that's how I connect to that part of myself. And Mm -hmm. I love that's how I care for my family. And it's how I care for myself. And I have like vials and bottles. If you could see them like on my desk, just all around me of like forest water and um, sacred fire. And I have all these things that I make and concoct and I love it. Mm. Well, I feel like we would definitely get along making potions because that's one of my favorite things as well. I live in LA, but I live in Topanga. So it's like oh, this, nice. you know, if you're familiar with it, it's mm-hmm. the closest thing to like living in the city and nature I could possibly find. And so I definitely deeply resonate to nature and how she supports us. And I think she's the ultimate goddess. So Well, thank you so much, ladies. It's been an honor having you on and sharing your medicine and wisdom on this not so big of a topic that everybody likes to explore. So you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we will hopefully you guys benefited a lot from all this information and go check out these lovely ladies. You guys are on Instagram and everything as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. At Namastream. Okay, great. Well, bye everyone. We love you so much. Thank you for tuning in and thank you guys again for being here. I love you. I see you. I hear you. Bye for now.